It really is time to uplevel women's health care. So join the natal naturopath in disrupting the mainstream medical paradigm through real chats and expert talks. We want to empower women in their health to help educate you so you aren't left dismissed and confused about your body. We know a lot about women's bodies and we've got you. Join me, Melanie, weekly on this podcast for practical health tips, naturopathic insight, unlearning of outdated medical advice, motherhood musings, along with longer episodes with health leaders in their own fields. Welcome to another episode of the Needle Naturopath podcast. Thank you so much for joining me today. And we are going to be discussing eating enough to fall pregnant, otherwise known as hypothalamic amenorrhea today, which is a really long, confusing word. So let's just say, are you eating enough to fall pregnant? Now, just a reminder, if you ever want to chat to me about your own health or you have any burning questions, you have any blood tests you want me to look over, all the information can be found at my website, www.thenatalnaturopath.com.au. And I do do blood test interpretations. So if you've had a recent blood test where you have no idea what's going on, but you're really, really certain something's going on, and then you were told by your doctor, everything's fine please have a look at my blood test interpretation. So on my website, you'll see a a page where I explain what a blood test interpretation is, but just quickly, it's where you send me your blood test. I send you back my findings and a report of what you need to be doing and my suggestions. It's very comprehensive. And obviously I look at blood tests super differently to the mainstream medical industry. So you'll find that things are picked up on that, you know, you hadn't been told before, which is always really cool to have that comment back of, oh my God, that makes so much sense. Thank you. You know, you figured it out for me. I love, I love unpacking blood tests tests. So head over to my website and have a look. Okay. So on to today's episode. Now, hypothalamic amnuria would be defined as a period that's gone missing for more than three months in a person who previously had regular periods and missing more than six months in someone who previously had irregular periods. However, I find that, that that hypothalamic amenorrhea, it's sort of scalable. So you might not have the full-blown hypothalamic amenorrhea where your period is entirely missing, but you may just be in that intermediate section where you're not eating enough calories or you are over-exercising. It's not quite enough to switch ovulation and your period off entirely, but it certainly is meddling with the process and it will be limiting fertility at that point. So let's unpack it. So when we are cycling, when we have a menstrual cycle that's happening monthly, the hypothalamus is talking brilliantly to the ovaries every month saying, yep, ovulate, yep, ovulate. Yes, you can ovulate. And so a really good way to imagine, you know, hypothalamic amenorrhea or just under eating, over exercising that, that picture there is that our ovulation message from the hypothalamus has been switched off. So then now the hypothalamus isn't giving that signal over to the ovaries to do the ovulation event. And of course, when we don't ovulate, your period will be completely out of whack or you just won't get one at all. And it, or it could be very light or again, not come at all. Now, causes of this can be excessive stress. So excessive stress can be emotional stress, but also physical stress. And now physical stress would be low calories, high amounts of exercise, which is therefore induced the hypothalamus to stop ovulation. 
So interestingly, women require a certain body fat percentage for a regular menstrual cycle, and that's on average around 22% body fat. Now, of course, there are going to be women with 16% body fat, which have a, you know, which have a great menstrual cycle. So this is not black and white. It's just what research shows is the average percentage sitting at about 22%. So the reason why is that low body weight interrupts many hormonal functions in the body. So our sex hormones are fat soluble, meaning they need fat to be made. And they're actually stored in body's fat layers. Now, women that have a low body fat percentage, they produce a reduced amount of estrogen, which then can lead to an abnormal menstrual cycle. And then back to under eating, our gut and the cells in our gut so brilliantly register how many calories you're taking in. So, you know, how many calories are in what you've just eaten. They then talk to our brain. This is a part of the gut brain link that research is just just starting to understand. So the message is sent up to the hypothalamus, um, you know, yeah, plenty of calories today or not. The hypothalamus then decides whether to switch ovulation on or off based on that feedback from the gut lining. And so if it's not getting enough calories, it will certainly shutting it down because we, you know, your body will be doing this as a protective mechanism your brain will think, is there going to be access to the additional 75,000 calories it's going to take to create another human? Based on the data I'm getting, because you might be under eating, unlikely that you're going to be able to sustain a pregnancy. So, you know, that if you're not eating enough food, your body does start to worry based, you know, based on the way the body was made and evolutionarily, it's going to go into protection mode because it might wonder, is starvation on the horizon? I'm getting signals that we're under eating. Are we going through a famine? So it's going to begin to shut down all non-essential bodily functions. And the first one to go will be your hormonal fertility system. As much as you might consciously want a baby, it is actually the least essential body system there is because you can survive an entire lifetime very healthily without carrying a baby. And your body will obviously prioritize you over, you know, your dream to have a child. So if it's thinking there's not enough calories, it's going to be protecting you, therefore shutting off ovulation or limiting ovulation so that it's a, you know, it's a dysfunctional egg release in essence. So stress as well. So stress could be, like I mentioned, emotional. It could be physical, which is the under eating, over exercising, or it could be just thrashing your body constantly, you know, in, in that go, go, go rush, rush, rush mentality. So stress increases the production of cortisol and adrenaline, which therefore then affects the release of hormones, FSH and LH. Now, FSH, follicle-stimulating hormone, and luteinizing hormone are responsible for really healthy functioning ovaries. So disruption to this will negatively affect development and a release of an egg in the ovary. So if those are meddled with, the egg might not be developed very well and therefore ovulation still might go ahead, but it might be really dysfunctional because the egg wasn't great quality. And not to mention a not, a not very robust egg isn't going to conceive a very healthy baby. Now, cortisol in the body actually fights progesterone for very similar receptors. So it can actually leave progesterone lower and lower because your body will prioritize cortisol 
over progesterone because having a healthy functioning nervous system is far more important than having a healthy functioning fertility system in in sort of uh, weighing up what's going to keep you alive and what won't. So without enough progesterone, your uterine lining actually doesn't develop very well and it also won't stay put for an embryo to then attach to and develop very well. So one key sign of low progesterone is actually spotting before your period and I'm talking more than 24 hours of spotting. So if you just get like five hours of spotting, that's absolutely fine. If you get more than a day's worth of spotting before the red flow of your period can be a sign of low progesterone. And then low progesterone in itself is just a sign, isn't it? We need to figure out, well, why is this low progesterone happening? And it could be this hypothalamic amnorrhea, could be the under eating, over exercising, could be a lot of emotional stress, physical stress. Now, if we're looking at blood tests, so obviously if you think this is going on for you or you have a friend that's trying for a baby and it's not happening or you have a friend and they they sort of have mentioned a couple of things about their cycle, tell them to go get a blood test because on the blood test it'll pretty much confirm what's happening or it, you know, or it'll say something else is happening because another thing it could be if we're talking about irregular periods or missing periods, it can be PCOS. So PCOS and hypothalamic amenorrhea, you know, I find they can be hypothalamic amenorrhea can be missed a lot because it's sort of like, you know, doctors might be looking more so for PCOS. However, if on a blood test, what we'd find would be low progesterone, low progesterone in that second half of your cycle, because in the first half of our cycle, our progesterone is always low because the egg itself hasn't been released yet. And it's ovulation that, that creates the progesterone. Um, we might see low estradiol or estrogen, low testosterone, And an interesting one that's not tested enough, and this is another podcast episode that I'm going to do, is about prolactin. So prolactin tends to be higher when we're under stress. So, you know, hypothalamic amenorrhea to be diagnosed doesn't need high prolactin, but I do find that prolactin would be creeping up. Um, Also, you might have low fasting insulin. So that's that's about less than five on a blood test. So um, five milli international units per litre. And also a low ratio of LH compared to FSH. So you'll see on a blood test that the FSH will be a lot higher than LH, which it's really not supposed to be. So we really do want them to be in a one-to-one ratio. And so if you see high LH, that can be PCOS. And if you see high FSH, it could be hypothalamic amenorrhea. But again, we need to see these all in combination. You know, one funny test isn't enough. We need to see all of it and we need to see the bigger picture and put all the puzzle pieces together. So um, we all have really different ovarian set points of of what is going to switch us on or off. So each of us are going to have a different amount of calories that is suited to our body to therefore make us feel safe enough to switch ovulation on or off. So me, I'm nearly six foot one. I'm going to have a very different ovarian set point than someone that's five foot just because of the amount of energy that's involved in keeping me alive is going to be higher than keeping someone who's a little bit smaller than me. So on average though, researchers have found that the average ovarian set point is at least 2,500 total calories a day. So if you're exercising, you need to count the calories 
after the exercise is plugged into the app. So a good counting app, calorie app, you know, you should be able to put in the level of exercise you're doing so that at least takes into consideration that as well, because that's an energy expenditure that's going to take from the total calories. Um, so, you know, that might be a lot more than women are used to. I find when I speak to women, you know, I mention how many calories do you think you eat? A lot of people don't even know. And that I don't even know myself. I've never really counted calories and that's absolutely fine. That's so okay. However, if we're looking at fertility and you're not falling pregnant, I do implore you to get a calorie counting app, not to be controlling or, or fretting about what you're eating. It's just to give us an idea are we close to the 2,500 calories, which researchers show uh, is what's needed for ovulation to be healthy, or are we nowhere near it? And so if we're nowhere near it, because I have a lot of clients that do tend to eat around the 1,500 calorie mark, maybe 1,600 calorie mark, and they feel good. They don't feel hungry. They're not starving themselves. They're not doing it to lose weight. It's just that that's just how they naturally sort of fell into that rhythm. You know, maybe in an a lot of times in an effort to keep their weight and metabolism where it is. And then they're also doing an hour of F45 a day, or they're doing a run five times a week or CrossFit, you know, just really high intense exercise. So in essence, if you are that person, you may not be in energy um, replete state. So you may be quite energy deficient, calorie deficient, because you have got to factor in the exercise levels as well. So if you're really quite far off that 2,500 calories, it definitely doesn't mean that you need to be eating foods to bump that up that are nutritionally empty. So I wouldn't take that as an excuse to go eat McDonald's and Hungry Jacks and sweets and naked carbs, um, really refined carbs. You know, we can very, very safely eat more and it to not be a problem for the body. So in this case, what we would want to do is focus on really high calorie foods that are healthy. So think of fats, like, you know, we've got avocado, olive oil, we've got macadamia nuts, chia seeds, fish, salmon, all quite high calorie in comparison to like a lean chicken breast, for example. So we're going to get more bang for our buck. And, it, you know, and I think that's a really good way to not not even make yourself sick. You don't want to eat too much to the point of being like, oh, I really, I'm not comfortable. I don't, this is not, this is not how I should be eating. I'm actually overeating. We don't want that. We want to get the calorie level up to a comfortable level. And it might be a little bit of trial and error for a while. But anyway, if that's, if that's sort of ringing true for you, I do implore you to get a blood test done and check in to see, you know, are any of those values present for you, like I mentioned earlier. And of course, seeing a really good health practitioner that has a great understanding of women's bodies is going to be vital to help sort of unpack it and, and guide treatment as well. So if you found this episode helpful, I would love you to leave a five-star review and also share it with any uh, friends or family members that are trying for a baby. Um, if you think it would be helpful for them, I would love for you to share it. Thank you so much. And I will see you next week.